This is the Brew World Order Podcast. Welcome to the Brew World Order Podcast. My name is Mike Curtin. If you haven't subscribed yet, you're obviously not listening to my cries for help. This is episode number 52, and in this episode, I sit down with Dennis Deese of Green Man Brewery in Asheville, North Carolina. Dennis tells me the best thing he brings to the table is the experience of being brought up in the beer industry most of his life, about how distribution helped to propel their popularity, and he gives me a rundown of all the new products that Green Man is putting out, which includes a ginger beer, wine, and on their upcoming 25th anniversary, a whiskey. Very exciting. I could actually say I'm excited for the future of the Brew World Order podcast as well, as I'll soon be doing beer reviews on our social media. Yes, that's right. Not only are you tired of hearing my voice, but now you get to see my face as well. A face that my close friends tell me is made for radio. And I'm not really sure what that means. But what I am sure of is that I hope you enjoy this lovely episode. Sit back, crack open a beer, and please, enjoy that episode. Hey guys, I'm Mike Curtin. This is the Brew World Order Podcast, and today I'm with Dennis Deese of Green Man Brewery in Asheville, North Carolina. Green Man Brewery has a long history that goes back just short of 25 years, so I'm going to try and keep this short and sweet. Green Man was started back in 1997 in a brew pub called Jack in the Woods down in downtown Asheville. Joe and Joan Eckert, who still own Jack of the Wood, had been approached by Jonas Rembert and Andy Dom about having a brewery in the pub, and Joe and Joan agreed. At that time, the brewery was run under the name Benefit Brewing. In 2000, Jonas Rembert had left to start up French Broad Brewing Company, and that's when Joe and Joan decided to change the name to Green Man Brewery. The brewery was relocated to the new location and connected to a taproom named Dirty Jacks in 2005, located in South Slope, Asheville. Dennis Deese grew up in the beer distribution business. His grandfather operated the first Miller Distribution Company in South Florida in the 1950s and his father operated the company until deciding to sell it in 2008. After the decision to sell the company, Dennis wondered what was next. 2008, his wife Wendy felt Asheville was a great spot to make their new home, and they did just that. When the thesis along with their four children arrived in Asheville, Dennis searched online for breweries in the area, and that's when he had his first draft beer in Asheville at Green Man's Dirty Jack. Not too long after, Dennis began consulting with Highland Brewing, And before long, Dennis made his way to working at Green Man, where he saw the brewery as a diamond in the rough. When the opportunity came to purchase Green Man, he immediately jumped on it. And in 2010, Dennis and Wendy Thies became the owners, and from there, things have been looking up as the popularity of their beer has continued to rise. Not only has their distribution footprint got larger, but in 2016, they opened the Green Mansion, and have been growing ever since. And Dennis is here with me today. Dennis, how's it going? How's it going? All right. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. That's pretty, uh, pretty accurate. I think we can wrap it up right now. Thanks All for right. having me, and uh, have a nice day. <laughs> yeah, no problem. All right. Good talking to you. Uh, <laughs> that's a pretty long, uh, quick synopsis of, of about a 25-year period right there, even longer than that when you go back to our Florida days. Thank you for that. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, I tried to keep it short and sweet and kind of just wrap it all in there, you know? I know you, you came from Florida to Asheville. Did you know already that you wanted to own a brewery or was it just kind of something that just popped up for you? That's a great question. I had been at that point in, in the beer business pretty much my entire life as a young teen, part-time working in the, in the family business. As the sale of our family business was approaching, it sort of 
became a dream of mine to own or start my own brewery. Um, I had a real passion for craft beer at that time. We're talking the mid 2000s now, 2007. I thought, especially in Florida, I really thought craft beer was going to really be a big thing. And, and it certainly was at that point in, in the West coast and, but not so much in Florida. And then when we moved to Asheville, you know, it was such a beer mountain beer town that I just felt right at home. And there was some breweries emerging at that point. 2008 a couple opened in nine and ten and when i moved here there were only five right i worked worked for one of them highland the oldest brewery and was able to fire purchase green man short time after that and uh away we were and i i at that point bought a brewery that had been around about 12 years uh it wasn't in package you can only get it there at the source and um it just seemed like a better idea to buy an existing brewery than start another one or start a new one. Right. Given my limited knowledge of brewing as well as a factor there, because I am not a brewer. Right. So there you right. go. Yeah. So uh, I know you, you, you made a push for distribution at that point uh, when you purchased yeah. it, right? Um, it was a slow, slow roll. Uh, at that point, I actually started a small craft beer distribution company, but that's a whole nother podcast worth of material. But that was sort of for the first early formative years of Green Man's distribution life. Um, that company looked after the beginning of distribution for Green Man, which just started in Asheville. And we were so fortunate to have places that are still in existence here, iconic bars and restaurants that supported us, right. you know, rolling out in 2010 and 11 into the distribution world. So now that you could get Green Man in more places than just coming to Green Man. Yeah, right. And we were we were putting it in big glass jugs. Yeah, <laughs> and growlers. At the time. Good old growlers. Uh, oh, my goodness. I see pictures of growlers and they make me cringe, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, Went to a beer festival in Knoxville, Tennessee in October of 2011, and um, we were overwhelmed with praise and support at this beer festival called Brewer's Jam. And I'll never forget driving home from the festival the next day and saying to my companion who was with me then, David, I said, we've got to get this beer into bottles. This is, we've got to get away from these growlers. We've got to get into bottles and get into distribution in, in more states and and that's when I really kind of opened my eyes. It took me a while to realize what we needed to do because it's a big commitment once you decide to get your brewery into then bottles. Now it's cans, of course. Right. And away we went. I still like bottled beers better. I feel like they hold flavor in nicer. I don't know what it is. On a, maybe it's just me. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I like cans. I missed the early can craze when it started. Right. Obviously, Oscar Blues was the king. When cans started really hitting hard, 2015, I missed it. I mean, we were fully committed to bottles. And right. um, now, today, we do both. We do bottles and cans, which right. is unusual for a brewery our size. So if you like bottles, we got those. If you like cans, we got them too. Good and to, you good can to find me. bottles and cans in seven states. Now we're out throughout contiguous seven states in the southeast from alabama to florida to virginia georgia carolinas and tennessee awesome so when you uh first purchased the brewery i know you were working there uh prior to that but 
What was the most challenging part for you when you actually became the owner? Man, that's a great question. Not being a brewer and all of the challenges that the brewers themselves have to deal with. Right. I mean, it's a hard job. These these guys are working hard every day making beer for you. So support your support. They say support your local breweries. I say support your local brewers because right. they're working hard, man. Right. Uh, I think understanding the process and their needs and being compassionate to. I'm a sales guy at heart, and you know, push, push, push. Hey, man, we need we need that beer. Let's go. What's what's going on? Right, right, right. And, you know, beer getting held up because of fermentation issues or whatever. You know, I didn't have an appreciation for all that stuff. I do now, I think. Hopefully my brewers would agree with that statement. Right. <laughs> but, um, again, not being a brewer, I think, possessed, uh, presented a lot, of, a lot of challenges for me to, to learn and overcome uh, because it's not a simple thing. Making beer is very, it's a very complex process. And if you want to make good beer and not cut corners, it's even harder. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very sensitive process. Any little thing could could mess it up. So, so that was all new to me. Right. I mean, uh, um, so where did you go about uh, finding the capital to purchase this business and also to expand? Well, it was pretty non traditional, and it was basically kept within the family. Okay. So we were we were able to do everything without taking on any institutional debt. We've never taken a, a loan or an investor That's awesome. or anybody. We've never taken anyone's money. We've never taken outside the family. We've never taken any municipalities money or, or bought, I don't know, nothing. And right. we've been able to really grow within our means and grow within our cash flow ability, which is a big one. And maybe that's why we were slower to, you know, we've been getting the bottles. Green Man was already around for 14 years by the time we presented bottles to the world. Right. I mean, that's crazy, right? If you yeah. Think about it like that. So I think growing slowly and, and not trying to hit the home run right out of the bat. I mean, you hear about how many breweries did you hear about opening day one in the mid 2015 was probably a median, median year for breweries opening 15, 16. How many of those guys opened right up with, you know, a bunch of cans available to go into distribution? Right. So we've been fortunate to keep it, you know, at a slow growth rate without taking on institutional debt. The brewery's on a very solid foundation. We don't have much debt. We own our property, and we've been able to do all that over these years that I've owned the brewery now almost. My wife and I, Wendy, and I have owned the brewery almost 14 years now. And by taking it slowly, you can accomplish these very important sort of business foundations for your business. And then COVID hit us all, and we were very fortunate to have been on that solid foundation over right. so many years of work yeah. and really trying to do it right. Yeah, I've, um, I've spoken uh, to him. I also, I also mentioned that we had that distribution company. You know, sometime into that five years or so, we sold that, moved our distribution into bigger distributors' houses, and we were able to get some money for that, which went right into the business. Very when cool. we were growing at 100%, you know, one year we grew about 100%, and, and all the money went right back into the business, and we didn't take any money out. So I hope that answers your question. We've been very fortunate on some fronts to, to not – have to take on investors or institutional debt. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what is something that you never thought you were going to have to deal with when owning your own brewery? Oh man, that's a good one. Um, (laughs) you know, going back to the brewing process itself, right? It's, um, something I didn't have a grasp on or appreciation for 
I do understand it. I, I have an executive degree, a, a brewing degree that's right. in a frame. That I'd be too embarrassed to hang in my office. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, again, it, brewing beer is a real, you don't just, you can't just open a brewery. If you don't have guys that understand and, and are passionate and committed to it. Right. Uh, I think that that theme comes up again as something I never banked on the challenge of that having great brewers making your beer is 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 critical i mean it's for sure it's number one on any brewery's list you don't have that you cook you see a lot of guys that own their brewery that are actual brewers that's a very common yes right you know and they they don't have the experience so they're brewers, but they don't have a lot of the broader business experience or beer business experience that somebody like myself has been able to bring to our brewery. So that's where I think that's where I think my value has come in as a brewery owner. Is but I'm not a brewer, but I grew up in the beer business since I was about 12 years old, and I understand a lot of things about it and distribution and right. and um, so yeah. Back to the brewing thing; it's 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 challenging. Yeah, for sure. So what do you think is one of the biggest lessons you've learned uh, since your purchase of Green Man? Well, I think humility, because you know, when I when I bought the brewery, there were only four other breweries in town. And we were, we were selling beer. I mean, we couldn't keep up with demand for years. Right. And then when so many other breweries opened... You know, it got it got so much harder, and growth was really hard to come by. And that started around 2018, 17, and it was like somebody pumped on the brakes. Our city of Asheville went from five breweries in 2010, when Wendy and I bought the brewery, to now there's about 45. Wow! So you talk <laughs> about a humbling. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, for real. Um, Again, back to that foundation that we put the business on, thankfully, otherwise. And extreme appreciation for what's happened with the city of Asheville as a destination location. Right. And what I, what I mean by that is the fact that so many tourists come, they want to go to the breweries, and they all come to Green Man, and they all go to their, you know, within Green Man, you can go to 10 breweries within walking distance, short walk, very short walking that's, distance. That's and, incredible. And most of them are really good. Right. You know, there's, there's some that aren't that great, in my opinion, but we want to name names. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> hope that answers your question. You know, yeah. Uh, absolutely. It got very humbling uh, in the last few years, and then COVID, obviously, for everyone. Right. So, I mean, you've been, like, like I mentioned earlier, you've been around the beer industry uh, pretty much your whole life. Distribution, breweries, everything. Who has inspired you the most in the beer industry? I mean, Jim Cook is kind of my idol okay. um, from Boston Beer Company yeah. for innovation. And I mean, we all know what's going on at Seltzer. Right. But I think that I'd have to say Ken Grossman as well on an equal plateau on a different level Okay. for what he's accomplished with his family business. Sierra Nevada is, I mean, you know... <laughs> Sierra Nevada. Yeah. And, and massive. He's massive. Like a deity. Ken's like a deity to me. And we have what we call Malt Disney World here in Asheville. They're just outside the city. Like it's about 10 miles from Green Man. Is Sierra Nevada's Mills River Brewery. 
and it is absolutely incredible. I mean, right. it's just incredible. So, I think Jim Cook and Ken Grossman are the two guys that, in my mind, are deserve so much credit. Right. And I'm a huge uh, geek fan of Stone Brewery as well. Yeah. Uh, I think that they did some really incredible, innovative stuff early on with IPA specifically. So those are for me kind of the early go-tos. You know, even in college, I was drinking Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, right? Which was weird. People are like, "What's that?" Yeah, what right. Yeah. I'm like, don't you just drink Coors or Bud? Like, like yeah. what is this yeah. stuff? There's nothing better than a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale draft. That's yeah. the brewery, man. I mean, you can't beat that. So, how do you define success? And was there a moment for your brewery that kind of hit you, and it was like, man, we're we're doing really well. Yeah, yeah. There was a moment in in the early five years into it where it was almost celebrity type success, where you can, can kind of get in your head a little bit. Like I had five straight years of like. Wow, this is this is easy. And right. then we started making money. We weren't making money at first. I didn't make any money for years. Right. You know, when we started making money, you get to a certain volume threshold. Your tap rooms are starting to take off. That's when the money starts to come in. It was never about money for me when I bought the brewery. Um, obviously, any good business needs to make money and be efficient. But yeah, right. uh, I'd say four or five years into it, um, I remember sitting in my office and pulling up the bank accounts and on a Friday and the tap room's slamming. I'm just like, all right, we got, we got to go on. I got money in the bank for once. And right. We're busy. Um, we're doing great. And that's when you have to really start to be careful. <laughs> right. It's never that easy. And then the, then the volume started to slow down a couple of years later. And then COVID just annihilated and decimated all of us. Oh yeah. Big time, big time. Uh, and I can't claim any uniqueness to that. But for me personally, it was very um, jarring. I guess for where I was, I, personally, it was actually a very positive thing. And coming out of COVID has been very fortunate. You know? But um, don't take your success, uh, you know, like, don't be a one-hit wonder. You, you know, you... you make a bunch of money and you're doing great but you've got to take the long view and you've got to really take it all in perspective because it can take it taken away from you at any time yeah for sure you know 100 percent uh never take your foot off the gas so speaking of i know it's you know constant struggle to kind of always stay above water when things aren't going right but how important is a mental break for you from everything i think it it means not coming in on a Sunday. And I used to work seven days a week. Right, right. Not coming in on a Sunday and for me, leaving early on a Friday to go play golf with my buddies and mm. just kind of check out, you know. Because <laughs> it, can, it, can, it can consume you. When you have a tasting room, of which we have two, actually, right next door to each other. We have two very unique tasting room experiences right, right next door to each other, kind of the old place and the new place. This is a, a seven-day-a-week business this isn't monday through friday nine to five it's seven days a week right and monday through friday we're brewing and packaging and then it's it's three different businesses you've got brewing and packaging and your tap rooms and distribution so there's a lot going on and it can really consume you you have to just step back and, and take a break so for me i think taking off 
in early afternoon on a Friday and checking out on the golf course is the way I like to do it. Right. Very nice. So what do you think has been the biggest change in the industry in the last five years? Seltzer. Seltzer. Yeah. I noticed that the other day. Crazy. It's like there's so (laughs) many of them. (laughs) Seltzer has been the most profound development in alcohol since prohibition, in my opinion. Right. Yeah. Um, Kind of blowing up. because Because of the the amount of momentum behind it right now today after being introduced in what 2016 yeah and when i first saw this thing hitting the shelves in 2017 i guess i was like i was insulted i'm like what the hell what is this (laughs) is this a joke and as a father of four now teenagers i was a little insulted but now i respect it we don't have a seltzer here at Green Man. We had one for a minute, and then we dumped it. Right, right. <laughs> um, it is a incredible development that's not going anywhere anytime soon. White Cloud is the king. Truly's the 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 prince. Right. And after that, it's all crumbs. Yeah, so right. What we decided to do here at Green Man is uh, we developed an alcoholic ginger beer. Okay. That is technically a seltzer. Technically, could be a seltzer. Technically, it's an alcoholic ginger beer by TTB definition. Right, right. So it's gluten-free and all this stuff. It's lower in sugar, but it doesn't hit the one or two grams of sugar. It's about seven grams per 12 ounce. We call it Ginger's Hot Soul. That's <laughs> been our most exciting new introduction in the last... We, we launched it like the day COVID hit. Right. Of course. <laughs> and um, it's been... It's been a big hit for us in terms of that better for you drinking gluten-free. Obviously, in 2021, especially the younger generation, but most everyone is much more health conscious than they've ever been before. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Sugar conscience and all that kind of stuff comes into play. So, you know, we toy around with making a seltzer, but we decided to go with an alcoholic ginger beer, which we kind of call Beyond Seltzer or... Seltzer sequel or something like that. Right, right. But, um, yeah, Seltzer is, is a Godzilla right now, man. It's crazy. Yeah, for sure. I see that. I see that. Um, so, I like this question, and I don't know if you answered it before. You had said that you drank uh, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale in college. But oh, what, yeah. What was your gateway beer into the craft world? It was definitely Sierra Pale yeah. Ale. I mean, I okay. grew up Miller Lite, Miller Lite, Miller Lite. You know, there's that mentality because right. we were Miller guys in Florida. Right. You know, there's there's so many brand loyal Americans throughout the world. Yeah, for but sure. In America, Bud, Bud Light, drink Miller Lite till dad die. You know, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I got a little bored with that and wanted to kind of step out and explore the world, and and I did that with. Uh, Sam Adams Lager and Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, and kind of talked about those two guys already, you know. Yeah, right. And then, and then Dogfish had sixty minute and Stone IPA. At first, I was like, "Whoa, what is this, man? Yeah. That's a little heavy." It's good, good stuff though. <laughs> and then I grew to really love those beers. I mean, I love like them. Yeah. So, what do you think is uh, is next for your brewery? What's the next step for you guys? What does the future look like for Greenman? Well. As I answer that question, I want to um, I want to mention that we are most most definitely uh, a craft brewery 
forward, um, a brewery focused on making great craft beer and lots of IPAs. Um, that'll never change. We are a craft brewery. Right. Making great beer here in downtown Asheville. Come visit us when you're in town. Yeah, but for sure. to answer your question, over the last couple of years, I have tried to steer our sort of branching out development growth from sourcing other types of alcoholic beverage and non-alcoholic beverage. And by that, I mean, uh, within the last year and a half or so, we have introduced our alcoholic ginger beer, Gingers Have Soul. I'm super excited about My wife drinks it almost every night. Right. In January, we introduced our Green Man All Natural Root Beer, which has has been incredible home run. Uh, We do a little bit of distribution with it, but we sell a shitload of it at the tap rooms because, you know, families come and. Right. Kids love root beer. uh, So we've got a great all natural root beer that I'm so proud of. That's awesome. Uh, As of last week, we just got into the wine business. Really? We have a yeah. We have canned Sauvignon Blanc and canned Pinot Noir. Oh yes, I did see that. I did see that on so, your uh, on your website. So if I'm a, if I'm a fan of Green Man, if someone's listening, I'm thinking, okay, hmm, cool. What the hell does Green Man know about making wine? To which my answer would be nothing. No, <laughs> <laughs> we don't know shit. <laughs> I mean, I don't know anything about making wine. All right, so why are we doing it? Well. I was able to get Klebe Winery here in Asheville, P-L-E-B. Uh, we asked them to assist us, and they did, graciously. Uh, in a nutshell, with a little bit of oversight from us in terms of what we're looking for, they made it for us. The wine that we offer here at Green Man is made by a really renowned and respected winery, and it's really good. Very cool. But we're not trying to be winemakers. Right. <laughs> Smart though, um, smart move. Uh, you know, you come to a brewery and you know, with sometimes with people that don't really drink beer, and you know, they're like, right. what else do they have? Do they have seltzer? Do they have this? And now you have yeah. many options. Sell, and like you said, with sell, the kids, we sell a lot of wine. And I just, you know, when it's your baby, it's more like we were selling other people's wine. I was like, oh yeah, we have wine, whatever. But now we have Green Man wine, and it's got that brand. It's it's got the face on there, and right. No, no, we don't make it here. And people are like, oh, okay, well, who makes it for you? And then we just, you know. um, similarly, I, I also have a cider that is made for us just across the street by a fantastic cidery called Urban Orchard. Okay. Um, so they make our cider for us that's also available in cans. So in the last almost two years, we've been able to kind of branch outside of beer with those items that just – I just told you those brands I just told you about while still trying to maintain our primary focus, of course, is making great craft beer. But I think there's, there's no harm in diversifying. I mean, look at Boston beer. You talk about diversity with what they do. Uh, So a little bit of inspiration taken there. And and, uh, coming soon for our 25th anniversary, we'll be offering a single malt whiskey with the Green brand on it. I'm excited about that. Very cool. So, yeah. that, so there you have that's it. About all, that's about all the non-beer tricks I have up my sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they, there you have it. Green Man's got a little bit of everything we to satisfy your palate. Yeah. Right. I got a pretzel, too. A pretzel, <laughs> too. A there you go. 
<laughs> my wife doesn't know about this, but I'm trying to like, get him a cigar for our 25th uh, anniversary next year. I'm looking at how freaking good cigar going. Yeah. Dipped into one okay, of your. What do we know about making cigars? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> but hey, if you if you dip it inside of one of your, uh, you know, beers, maybe a stout or something that has a little flavor yeah, to it, people absolutely. might be interested. Uh, I'm just uh, saying. Right. So, if somebody was opening their own brewery, uh, what advice? Don't do it. Don't, don't, don't do, do it. it. Stop. Stop right there. <laughs> Unless you know you, you're you got you know you're a brewer. Who knows how to make great beer? Right. That's very important. And maybe you have a great business partner that's going to be more businessy. And then, okay, you have a great brand. You know, there's a lot of breweries out there, and that might sound a little sour grapey, but there's just so many breweries have opened. It's kind of insane. Right. Yeah. It's. It, I wouldn't say it's flooded just yet, but it, it's getting there. You know, like to the point. But um, I mean. Yeah, I think you got to know know what you're doing and don't, you know, work at a brewery first is what what a lot of people say. But maybe maybe but maybe the better opportunity is to do what I did. Maybe there's a, a brewery in your neighborhood that the, the the owner is getting older or doesn't want to do it anymore right. and needs a succession plan like 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 Ace Freely from Kiss, you know? Right. <laughs> he, he needed Tommy whatever his name is to come in and relieve him because he was tired. And yeah. the band goes on. I'm going to see him on Saturday night. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Rock on, <laughs> man. Rock on. Tommy Thayer. Sorry. Tommy Thayer and he metalheads out there as a guitar player. Right. Point being, Ace was tired. He didn't want to do it anymore. You know? Yeah. But the band goes on. Exactly. Rock and roll. My, kid, my kids listen to this and like, God, Dad's going on about Kiss again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just an old metalhead. Yeah, man, that's fine. Fine by me. There's got to be so many breweries out there that you know the guy might want to retire. Yeah, or or they're struggling. He got in at the wrong time and then didn't know what he he took on, and you know it happens. I hear many stories like that. So that's how I was able to get Green Man. Uh, The the gentleman that owned it was just not. He owned a restaurant. He wasn't really. He wasn't going to do the things that I wanted to do. Right. It, you know what I mean? Yeah. He was, he, he was just never going to do that. And it hasn't been easy. It's a hard business. I believe it. But very proud of it, though. So, did you happen to have a funny story for us? Oh, funny story. <laughs> funny story. I've got, got a lot of funny stories. Uh, let's see what comes to mind. So, kind of in that vein, I think um, I was fortunate. I was very fortunate to have a, um, an experienced and respected brewer on hand when I bought the brewery in 2010. And John? And, and John Stewart. Right. Yep. Okay. John Dessert is not, he's no longer with us. He's right. over at Nanahama Brewery now. Okay. John deserves a lot of credit. I actually just texted with him yesterday. I hadn't talked to him in a long time. Right. I said, you know, our 25th is next year. You're, you're required to make an appearance. Anyway, when I was buying the brewery, it was quite an event. It took a lot of doing, a lot of negotiation, and it was a lot of money. Right. And the place was kind of falling apart at the time. It was just in need of so much repair and tender love and care. And and I had negotiated everything I had to get it done. And Mr. Eckert and I closed that thing, and it was done. I'll never forget being a, a freshly minted brewery owner 
having a beer after the first day of work or something, and John came up to me and said, uh, all right, Dennis, I've been holding out on this, and I got to tell you, we we got to buy a boiler. A what? A boiler? Like Freddy Krueger? Like a boiler room? Like, what was that for? <laughs> you know, like, you make hot water, you need a boiler to, to brew, to make hot water, to clean, you know, for so many reasons. Uh, a boiler is kind of like one of the most crucial elements of the brewery, and the boiler was busted and broken down. Right. I said, okay, how much is this going to cost, John? He's like, I don't know, fifty, sixty thousand dollars 60000 I'm like, oh, kidding me i said um i'll have the money to you by friday go ahead and order that thing and he, he called up columbia boilers and bought the thing and it cost about fifty six thousand dollars and Jeez. i had to sell my then brand new yukon that i had just gotten Ugh. to pay to pay for this boiler and uh but i got it to him and we bought that boiler and i always joked around with him since that day that i always wanted to have a cadillac escalade but instead, I got a Cadillac boiler now. <laughs> <laughs> that thing still sits over there, man. Well, I hope it's it is the Cadillac of boilers. That just kind of illustrates what it's like to own a brewery, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's a big hit. My God. Oh yeah. Oh. He was waiting. He was waiting to get me at the right moment. <laughs> right, right, right. He's like, oh, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's a true story. I hope John hears that. Has a good laugh. Yeah. So I have a little. <laughs> Little segment called Quick Fire Five, Five Quick Questions, Beer Related. Ready? Yes, sir. Okay. Somebody walks into your brewery. What's the one beer you'd recommend they try? You got to start with Green Man Lager because that beer has been around for a few years and it used to be called What's Your Lightest Beer? Question mark. As a joke. Because <laughs> right. invariably, <clears throat> nine out of ten people walking through the tap room want to experience craft beer they don't know anything about it they might be a little intimidated by it so you got to start with the lager and they ask what's your lightest beer what's your lightest beer okay we hear that all the time it's crazy favorite brewery other than your own i gotta go with sierra nevada again sierra third time nevada. bringing up sierra that's fine yeah man <laughs> okay, I... if you go if you're gonna answer that like favorite small brewery yeah sure okay, favorite small brewery why not stone. favorite small brewery has gotta be Oh, that's a good question. Who's the guy? Jester King, no doubt. Jester King, from a branding perspective, their beers are fucking awesome. Yeah. I'm go with Jester King out of Austin, Texas. All right. Favorite style of beer? IPA. IPA. I, I like it. Now, IPA gets a bit muddled these days, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm old school. I like the uh, stone-esque bitter. Right. The more bitter, the more aromatic, the better. Hazy, no thanks, milky, fruit, you know, milkshake, no thanks, I'll pass. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I'm kind of I'm kind of uh, all over the place. I'll, I'll try them all. I like IPAs, man. I like IPAs and stouts hearted, a lot. Fish, stone dogfish, bell two-hearted. Right. I'm bell bell two-hearted. Rainmaker double IPA in that mix. I think that beer can hang with anybody's. Yeah, bell two-hearted is a great one. That's, that's one of my favorites. And uh, last beer you drank that blew you away. All right. I will say, Wicked, so I was branching out a little bit of IPA. Okay. A little le- little leery of my friends at Wicked Weed have this uh, watermelon dragon fruit burst. Okay. Session, session sour ale. And 
I had some in the fridge. I'm like, this is gonna, this not nothing against Wicked Week, just for the style. I was like, this is gonna suck. I'm not, I'm never gonna like this. <laughs> and, and it was really good. And yeah. they, I always say it blew me away. Actually, there you go. Yeah, there you go. And uh, you have one keg of beer to hold you over for a two week quarantine. What beer are you choosing? I gotta go with Green Man. Ginger's half soul alcoholic ginger beer. It oh. fits a lot of different. If I'm in quarantine, it's got the ginger. It's got some nutritional components with COVID era. Right. I'm going to go with our ginger beer. All right. Sounds good to me. Well, Dennis, that's it. All that's right. all I got, man. It's a pleasure speaking with you. Appreciate yeah. the time and the interview. And then if you ever get down to Asheville, you got to look us up. Yeah, absolutely. I'm Mike Curtin for the Brew World Order podcast here with Dennis Deese of Green Man Brewing in Asheville, North Carolina. Thanks, man. All right, Mike. It was a pleasure. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening to my interview with Dennis Deese of Green Man Brewery in Asheville, North Carolina. Whether you're passing through, you live in the area, or just visiting a friend nearby, you should definitely check them out. Also, give them a follow on social media while you're at it. Every other Sunday, I'll be releasing a new episode, so subscribe, and you'll never miss one. Also, give us a follow on social media for updates on the podcast. And look out for those new beer reviews. I'm Mike Curtin for the Brew World Order Podcast. You stay safe out there.